Everybody doing good this morning? Well, you can get um, your Bibles out or locate uh, today's bulletin on version and follow along with us. And I'm going to get rid of this gum so my wife doesn't yell at me after service. <laughs> You're like popping your gum up there. It's disgusting. couple quick announcements. I do want to let you guys know that we have a uh, SNLs tonight, our Sunday night live service. All our SNLs, raise your hands. Come on, give it up. Whoop, whoop. All right, SNL tonight. Um, we're, uh, we're starting a, a season of prayer and fasting this evening. Um, we do it before every Easter, um, Easter service. We just think that there's, it's so important to, uh, before you host such an incredibly important, exciting event. It's really important to kind of pray and spend time with the Lord and kind of focus. Um, for those of you who feel kind of under some kind of compulsion, I really want to emphasize prayer over fasting. Uh, some people need to pray and do some pray and feasting. Uh, but uh, just kidding, that's nobody's laughing. All right. Um, we do prayer and fasting so that we don't, you know, so that when we pray, it's not, we're, we're not, uh, we're people with faith and power, you know, and and um, it's important just to kind of carve some time away. But I really want to encourage you to spend some time with the Lord this week. And we'll kind of kick off some things that we'll be praying about. But Monday through Thursday, every night here at the church at 6.30, we'll have prayer. I really encourage you guys to be a part of that. Friday night, we culminate this whole week of prayer, this kind of holy week of prayer. Uh, at 7 p.m. right here in the sanctuary, having our all-access worship event as we have uh, had some incredible uh, experiences. Our last all-access was amazing. Our prayer times have been incredible. Uh, please make plans to attend that. Just be one hour, Monday through Thursday at 6.30, Friday night at 7. And again, if you're interested in fasting, we have fasting books in the back, uh, in the bookcases, and, and probably in Guest Central as well. They're all over the place. They're free. Just take one if you don't know anything about it. Joan? Yes, Wednesday and Thursdays in the morning. Oh, Wednesday and Thursdays in the morning. Okay, I was, yep. What time, Joan? 6.30. So it's 6.30 Monday, Tuesday evening, Wednesday, Thursday uh, a.m. Sorry about that, Joan. A little miscommunication there. Okay, so uh, also uh, just want to let you know we're in the final installment of our series. Uh, final. Final installment of final. This is the final act. It's the final countdown. Are you guys ready to get going? Yeah, you sure? Let me lay a little context, a little foundation here. Uh, Jesus, of course, is on this... Uh, Mission impossible. If it was any other person, it might have been impossible, but Jesus is our hero, uh, been sent from heaven to earth to kind of show us the way on a one-way ticket, really, to give his life. And he lived to die so that ultimately we, when we die, could live with him forever. And he's on this mission. It's got a very specific plan to it, very strategic plan to it that sometimes uh, I think needs to be unpacked and unraveled so we can understand it, so we can appreciate it. And more importantly, we can apprehend some of the promises and benefits of this mission that he was on. In fact, in John chapter 14, verse 31, it says, Jesus speaking, I want the world to know that I thoroughly love the Father. You'd have to love your dad to do what he asked you to do and, want, do this and carry out the assignment he did. He says, I'm carrying out my Father's instructions right down to the last detail. I want you to know there's some incredible details in the life of Christ and how he... Uh, how he uh, lived his life here on the earth. But in particular, as we get close to the uh, crucifixion, there were some particular details that were being fulfilled that are just amazing. But each week, we've kind of taken 
some of these uh, final messages in the final week of Christ's life. And the premise has been that if you were in the final week of your life, if you knew you had seven days to live, how would you live it? I think we'd live it pretty focused, pretty different, especially as a Christ follower. I think we'd be thinking about, much like the baby dedication, the next generation, some things that I'd want to say to my kids. We wouldn't, we wouldn't be spending more time in the office. We'd be spending more time with the, with the people uh, that are most important to us, and we would be wanting to pour in certain things to them, make sure they know certain things, make sure that they carry out certain things as, as, as we leave this life and go to the next. And that's really what Jesus did, and he had some important messages that we've talked about uh, up to this point, as my father would say, heretofore. Never say a word like that ever, but he says words like that, and it's kind of cool. Heretofore. Nobody's going to laugh. Okay. Anyway, I just think that kind of language is funny to me. Um, but we talked about our passion, you know, pointing our passion in week one. We talked about uh, the uh, progressive dinner, that really what was happening there uh, was symbolic of, uh, of a journey that we're really all on in our faith. If you did not get message two in this series, it's really uh, instrumental, critical, a big part of our vision at Connect. If you want to understand our vision, really, what is this church all about? Week two is really all about that, the progressive dinner. And then we talked about the blood, the importance of the blood with Elder Charlie Erickson. We talked in week four about the Holy Spirit, our silent partner, kind of debunked some of the confusion, uh, you know, some of the controversy that's around uh, the third person of the Trinity and understanding his role really on the earth in accordance with Jesus' own words. If you have issues or you've had concerns or you had some confusion about the Holy Spirit, that would be a really good one for you. But, uh, but today I want to talk in particular about this kind of this final act, this you might call it D-Day, not doomsday, but debt day, the day, the day that our sins were paid for. And, and I was thinking about this this morning, and I, I, I just asked that by the Holy Spirit, you can have a fresh perspective on the debt that was paid on your, for you guys. Because I'm telling you, nobody, nobody really, we use terms like uh, followers of Christ, connected to Christ, saved uh, John chapter 3, the Nicodemus story, born again. We use, we use words like that, but you really can't be saved. You can't be, unless you knew you, know you were drowning. You can't be rescued unless you knew you needed a lifeguard, that you were lost without him. And that there was, uh, there was a, another way to look at it is you can't really be saved unless you realize that you're a sinner, that you, you were fallen from grace. As Romans 3.23 says, all have sinned and fallen short or missed the mark uh, needed a really needed a mulligan, all you golfers out there, really bad, and all of us miss the mark. I don't care if you're, you know, done more good than bad, whatever it is. We all fall short of perfection. Jesus is perfect, holy, pure, and so sometimes I, I don't know how to communicate with words, and sometimes I forget myself, the debt that I had. I was I was on death row, and Jesus as my propitiation, my substitute, stood in my place and said, you don't have to go through that. I'll go through that for you. And that would make you live a little different if you saw that that way, wouldn't it? And so in order to fulfill justice, he did this. Uh, man's sin, a consequence of it, had a price. And, and so something uh, that was, it was a generational curse, so we inherited a sinful nature. But we all know... Uh, we should know, we should understand as Christ followers that we were born with a sinful nature. You say, no, I wasn't. I was born a good man. Well, well, seriously, do we really need to go there? I mean, 
Did, have, you, have you watched kids lately? I mean, you got to see a few of them up front here. I mean, they, they kind of just kind of want to go their own way, don't they? And, and we don't have to tell them how to say no or mine, you know, or do it with attitude. No. My kids used to be able to say no at a whole new level. You know what I'm saying? Like, no. Like, wait a second, you know. And they were just born that way. And so, and then you, we know in our own life that we've, we've fallen, we've missed the mark, we've gone astray, and our hearts have gone in different directions. So we know that there needed to be a savior for that. And that sinful nature, it has a price for it. There's a, there's a penalty for sin. And, and Christ. The only one, the perfect sacrifice, came and paid for that as our champion, as our hero. And so back to the story, um, we've been using this, you know, uh, last week we talked about the, the, the supper, the last supper. And, and right after the supper, they, they, they were walking away and they were going to the Garden of Gethsemane. Everybody say Gethsemane. Gethsemane. I need to open you guys up a little bit. Turn to your neighbor and say, are you ready for this yet? <laughs> Turn to your second choice. Get ready. You guys need to lighten up, loosen up out there. All right, so, so they're on their way to Gethsemane, and while they're going, they're, they're, as we talked about last week, they're ta- Jesus is downloading. He's downloading the Holy Spirit, talking about the Holy Spirit, and then they get to Gethsemane, and, 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 and Jesus, uh, uh, he's there with his disciples at the place called Gethsemane, and Gethsemane is, is the, the it, it refers to the olive press, uh, the place It's known as the place of pressure. When you're trying to get olive oil out of an olive, it requires a tremendous amount of pressure to squeeze that that oil out of those olives. So Gethsemane was known, believe it or not, as the place of pressure. And just as an aside, uh, I haven't heard many people teach this, but this is is a personal conviction. Uh, I believe that it is responsible. But I believe, really, Christ gave his life first in Gethsemane before he gave his physical life at Calvary. And I think that there is a principle that in order to be able to pass some of the, as my father used to say, tesses in life, that's what his sergeant used to call it, Fry, you need to pass some tesses. In order to pass some of those tesses in life, you and I, um, we need to kind of make up our mind long before there has to be a surrendering of our will prior to actually being confronted in our character by certain things. Does that make sense? In other words, our, our, our behavior will follow decisions of our will. Our will is a muscle, and we have a choice with it, and, and we can do this or we can do that. And Christ surrendered his life in Gethsemane. He was conscious and aware of the commitment, the full-on commitment that he was getting ready to make. And so it, this place of pressure uh, is where Jesus, this Gethsemane, this Garden of Gethsemane is where Jesus would go through the greatest pressure known to man. Literally, the greatest, I want you to understand, the greatest pressure known to man that somebody could feel is what was going on here in Gethsemane. He literally felt, have you ever heard the phrase, the weight of the world? I mean, remember Atlas, you know, that guy, you know, I wish I could do him, whatever, something like that, you know, Atlas, he's holding up the whole world. This was Jesus. He, Jesus was holding up the whole world literally, emotionally, there in Gethsemane, and he was uh, uh, wrestling with his flesh and wrestling with his, 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 his spirit, which wanted to do the will of God. And he was, he was God, but he was also man. He was very God of very God, very man of very man. He was God incarnate, become flesh. And, and in this place, he felt so much pressure, he actually sweat blood. You can look up and you can Google it for all you Googlers out there. Uh, just, you know, don't Google people, but Google people. Uh, but he sweat blood. I mean, that takes a tremendous amount of stress 
for that to happen. And, and uh, just before he was getting ready to be arrested and put on trial, this is what's going on. And he says to them in Matthew 26, he says, sit here while I go over there and pray. So he says, guys, get over here. And he took Peter and the two sons of Zebedee, that's James and John for all you, the sons of thunder, and along with him, and he began to be sorrowful and troubled. You think? Yeah, I, I would be pretty sorrowful and troubled. And then he said to them, my soul, imagine Jesus saying this to somebody, my soul is overwhelmed with sorrow to the point of death. That's why I suggest to you, submit to you, he was really given his life before. Stay here and keep watch with me. And, 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 and I just want to pause here because this is where I think, you know, he was really feeling it here. He was sweating blood at this moment. And, and, and I believe Jesus intentionally went through this uh, process so that when you and I come to him and you say, you know, uh, later, and, and he knew this down the road, when you have a problem, if you go to him this afternoon, you go to him tomorrow morning, you come into a crisis, I got this problem. And he wouldn't respond and say, well, what's your problem? He would respond by, by being able to say, I understand. I know. I felt that kind of pressure too. I get it. Jesus wanted you to be able to go to him and, 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 and have what we, we love and we value on this level a lot of times. That's why we go to certain meetings and we hang out with certain people and we have certain relationships. He wanted you to have identification. He wanted you to be able to go to somebody that understood. Jesus qualifies to be your best friend, my best friend, because he felt the pressure of the world. Are you tracking with me this morning? And so he qualifies to be your best friend. The Bible tells us he was tempted and tried in the book of Hebrews at all points. Everybody say all points. Not just some points, a few points, a couple of areas. He was tempted at all points, at the base level, the core level. He was tempted at all points just as we are, yet he never crossed the line. He never sinned. So he not only qualifies to understand, but he qualifies to carry or help you through it because he never crossed the line. He never messed up. He never missed the mark. He overcame. He overcame is, it, is, it, is, is really the best way to understand it. And so he knows. Anyway, going a little farther, he fell with his face to the ground and prayed, my father, or one translation says, uh, says my daddy, or Abba, Abba. If it's possible, may this cup be taken from me. I love this. I love that he shows, I love that we serve a God who, has, who reveals his humanity, his vulnerability. Do you know what? I believe vulnerability leads to stability. I think when we close up, bottle up, insulate, isolate, I think that's when we get in trouble. Jesus actually showed his humanity. He was vulnerable. You know, God, if there's some way, Dad, Dad, come on. If there's some way this could be done a different way. Has anybody ever gone to their dad and asked him to, if we could do it a different way? I know when I was a kid, I used to get whipped. I used to get spanked. You know, I'd be like, Dad, Dad, no, wait, hold on. Hold on just a second. Oh, one more, one more point. I got one point. It's a good point. That's a good point. Hang on, hang on, hang on. Can you tuck that thing down just for a second? Hold on, Dad. Just tuck your hand in there for a second. You know what I mean? I can make some good points there in those moments. But... What does it have to do with anything? Anyway, but he, he shows his humanity, and, and he says, but at the, in the place of prayer, even under this kind of pressure, he says, yet not as I will, but as you will. It was here at the place of prayer that he shows us his true feelings, but, but because of prayer, and I want you to understand this, he didn't give in to his flesh, he gave in to, he let his spirit rule and reign. 
And that shows also that it is possible. It's not only possible that he understands, it's also possible that your spirit can have jurisdiction over, the, over your tripart being. It can lead. It can, be, it can be large and in charge. It can be king of the hill, as it were. That's why we have to pray. Sometimes that's why we have to fast, so we can kind of unplug from those things so that our spirit can be overnourished and our other parts of our, our triune being undernourished. And, and this is the importance of prayer, and it's being revealed right here in this Gethsemane account. At uh, some point real soon in SNL, I'm going to teach on four values that you can learn from the Gethsemane experience. But you don't have to be fancy or perfect, but, but just be honest with God, and, and your spirit man can take over these situations. Then in Matthew 26, 47, it says, while he was still speaking, Judas, uh, one of the 12, arrived. <laughs> dun, 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 I hear the music. With him was a large crowd armed with swords and clubs and, and sent from the chief priests and the elders of the people, and so his betrayer has come. And, and at this moment, some people kind of uh, step forward and they seize Christ. And it says, now the betrayer had arranged a signal with them. Guys, the one I kissed, that's the guy you go arrest. Go, that's Jesus. Go, and Jesus says, going at once to Jesus, Jesus said to, uh, to, to uh, Jesus, he said, greetings, Rabbi. That must have been a really creepy intro. And he kissed him. And Jesus replied, friend, do what you came here for. Just, you know, let's get, it, let's get her done. And then the men step forward, seize Jesus, and arrest him. One of the gospels shares that Peter, who's kind of a little rambunctious, I happen to like Peter, he cracks me up. Uh, he's always sticking his foot in his mouth and getting a little out, out there. But Peter, a little rambunctious, he actually takes a sword, I don't know if it was his or one of the Roman soldiers, and he gets all upset, tries to like bow up against all these Roman soldiers, and he grabs it, and he cuts off one of the Roman soldiers' ears. His name was Malchus. And cuts his ear off. And Jesus basically goes, Peter, Peter, whoa, 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 whoa. We don't do that, okay? All right. Picks up the guy's ear, sticks it right back on his head, bing, and they still go and arrest him and run away. Now, I don't know about you guys. Okay, just think about this for a second. I, I think this is kind of a, a comical moment. One, Peter, settle down, you know, Mr. UFC. We need to... We need to think about the big picture. I've been trying to tell you what's going on here. And, and yet, but if you were these guys coming to seize Jesus, who, who has false claims, he's been making these false claims about who he was, claims he's God, and then he, God cuts an ear off and he sticks it back on, I'd be like, never mind, we're good. <laughs> but they still arrest him. I don't get it. I don't get it. One of my questions when I get to heaven. But anyway, in the next 12 hours, Jesus goes through hell on earth, literally. He goes through six trials. That's incredible. Six trials, which were simply a sham, illegal. They're illegal because you can't have trials at night. This is not supposed to happen this way. And trial number one, he goes before this guy, Annas. Annas actually tries to uh, bribe people or pays people to falsify information about him, witness against him, lie about Jesus. It doesn't work. He goes before a second trial. He goes before Caiaphas, who's the high priest, and, and uh, there's not much luck there in that particular trial. Then he has a third. This is all in the middle of the night. This is all like two in the morning and stuff. Then he went before the Sanhedrin, which is kind of like the whole religious community. They get him, they gather them all in the middle of the night. Not much luck there either, and, and, uh, and they're trying to bring accusations that would stick. None of them do. Then he goes before Pilate. 
And uh, he didn't want to handle that. Pilate kind of just is running from the situation and doesn't want to touch it with a 10-foot pole. So he dumps Jesus on Herod, King Herod. King Herod gets him, trial number five. King Herod kind of is a weird guy, and he's like goofy, and he's trying to mess with him and see if he can do some tricks and some miracles and that kind of stuff. And I don't know if you've ever seen any movies on Herod. They always make him look weird. But uh, Herod has really nothing to do with him either. Sends him back to Pilate, trial number six, who ultimately decides Jesus' fate. And in Matthew 20, again in your notes, the chief priests and the whole Sanhedrin were looking for false evidence against Jesus. Stay with me now. They're looking for something. They can't get anything. Nothing sticks, even with all the efforts that they made. And Jesus, so that they could, so they could put him to death, but they didn't find anything. And so then they, then they basically see that the only charge, ultimately, that would stick against uh, Jesus Christ, which would prove him guilty, so to speak, is they ask him this question. Tell us if you are, in fact, the Son of God, to which he, he finally replies, it, yes, I am. Yes, it is, is as you say. And with that, they just go nuts. They spit in his face. They strike him with fists. They're slapping him. They are irate. It's blaspheme to them. And I want to point something out here because this is what you need to know as a Christ follower, as a seeker of Christ, as a mature Christian, wherever you're at in your faith, this is one of those things that separates us from all the other major religions of the world. Do you understand? That's a, do you understand what I'm saying? It separates us from all the other major religions of the world because he didn't come as a good man. He didn't come as, you know, a, a, just a good teacher. He didn't come as a prophet. You know, all the other major religions respect the teachings of Christ. Uh, Islam sees him as a prophet. You know, he is, he, is, he is often quoted and viewed as a great man. Many religions accept him, and, 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 but because of his claim. Ultimately, uh, he claimed to be God. And that crossed the line. That was the, the separator from all other uh, religions, all other statements, all other people kind of prior to that. He claims to be God. He's different than, than everybody else. And I, I, and I don't know how to contrast this, but imagine... Many of you are here in this church because you, you, love, you love aspects of this church and you love the people in this church. You, you, you're, you're willing to sit here and listen to a guy like me. You might think, well, you know, he's a pretty good guy and, you know, he, he seems to have a good family life and uh, he's a pretty good teacher and, uh, you know, I, I got some good series out there. And, but if I came out one day and I just go, hey, you know, I thank you guys for, you know, following me. I got some series here I want to promote for you guys and hope to see you guys next week. And I got a book that I'm getting ready to do and da-da-da-da-da. But uh, more importantly, I just want you to know, I'm God. Yeah, I'd laugh too. I'd laugh too. I mean, that's crazy. You understand? That's what's going on here. He's like, yes, I am God. And so here's the, here's the big picture here. This guy's either, there's only three possible choices or deductions that we can make from this. The guy's either nuts, he's crazy, he's, he's deluded, uh, you know, he's, the elevator's not going all the way up, he's, or he's in his right mind, you know, but he's the biggest con uh, artist in the world. He's a deceiver. He's either deluded, he's a deceiver, or he's deity. As one person said it, you know, he's either a, a lunatic, a liar, or he's Lord. There's only one of those three possible responses to what he actually claims. And, and so I believe, I don't know about you, but I believe he's Lord. Amen? 
Christianity simply, you know, is believing that his claim was in fact true, that he is God, and you must believe that he is. And so this unique claim sent a whole chain of events in motion, and, and the cross was more than just a gruesome death, etc. And so from there, there, I want you to know there were hundreds of years before that this particular thing took place, Isaiah spoke about his death. Uh, in fact, many prophecies, 400 prophecies were being fulfilled at this time, when the, right, right during and, and, and prior to the crucifixion, 400 different ones. I don't, there's no other religion that can say that. Hundreds of years, things being stated would happen, the exact, to, precise, to a T, if you were to study the Old Testament, were being fulfilled during this time. And, and, and uh, within, the, within the text, it's revealed in this particular one that I want to highlight, just one of these prophecies is where we build a lot of our Christian faith. We call it the divine exchange. Isaiah chapter 53, verse 5. Look in your notes. There's four different or distinct things that would take place within the crucifixion that are important to us. Number one, uh, I'll get to that in a second, but Isaiah 53 says, he was pierced. Everybody say he was pierced for our transgressions. He was crushed, say crushed for our iniquities. The punishment, everybody say the punishment, that brought us peace was upon him and by his wounds, everybody say wounds, we are healed. The reason that Isaiah specifically spells out the wound and the benefit, it's important for you to know that this is more than just kind of a historical review, but that hidden inside this prophecy that was being fulfilled in the death and crucifixion of Christ were these benefits that if apprehended, understood and then apprehended, it could change our life and course and direction of our life here. And so the first thing that happened when he was crucified, by the way, this was a, a horrible, horrible death. And I know many of you hopefully have done some study on that. We may talk about that a little bit more on Easter Sunday. But he was, he was whipped. He was scourged. And so I want to talk about the whip because some people refer to this, again, as the scourging. But he... he most people died from this scourging. He was hit with a cat and nine tails. That, that's this leather straps with all this bone and glass and, and rock in it. And they would uh, pin a guy down uh, and, and, and they would get right behind his trapezius muscles on both sides of him. And they would hit him 13 times on one side. And they would let that thing catch him. And with two hands, they would pull the muscle from him. 13 times. They were masters at, at, at punishment. And they would hit him 13 times on one side, and then they would get him 13 times on the other side, two hands, pull the muscle, and then they would go right down the middle 13 times, pulling his, so that his spine would be exposed and all the muscle would be distorted from his body. It was a horrible, horrible thing. I could tell more gruesome details about it, but it was 39 times, nine strands, and, and you do the math, there were 360 places on the body that just bled and Isaiah reminds us that he took those stripes on his back and by his wounds, the scripture says, we are healed. 1 Peter 2, 24 says the same thing, that by his stripes, uh, we are healed or you have been healed. And Jesus was, was, was paying for our sins, yes, but he was, he was paying for the curse on earth for your sickness too. He didn't come, he came to save your soul. Your soul is all of you, your spirit, your mind, and your body. Everybody say body. Jesus took that punishment upon his body so that you didn't have to receive that punishment. You say, well, sometimes I do. I know, I understand there's a lot of stuff that I don't fully understand. But if we can learn to understand what he did for us, apprehend that promise by faith, apply it to our life, we can walk and talk in divine healing. 
That's really what he's trying to teach us. And we need to learn more how to do that and how to operate in that way. But he did more than just uh, come for sin. Uh, that would have been enough, but he did so much more. He came to pay for, the, for sickness in our life. And, and he's Lord. He's Lord of cancer. He's Lord of, uh, of diverticulitis. He's Lord of back pain. He's Lord of mental and, and emotional anxieties and depression. He's Lord of all kinds of physical ailments, mental ailments alike. And so uh, when this was all going on and he was getting through this punishment, uh, he, next he went to the, the Praetorian, which is basically a military headquarters where all these Roman soldiers were and the Roman guard was. It's kind of a locker room for the Roman guard. And this is about 6 a.m. in the morning. They blindfold him, Jesus, there, and they torture, they punish, they, they punch, and they basically say things like, you know, if you're a prophet, then tell, while he's blindfolded, tell us who's hitting you. Tell us who's hitting you. Can I just tell you, they better be thankful that I wasn't Jesus. Because it would have been like, pew, grease spot. Nothing, they're gone. You know what I mean? Like, shazam, grease spots. Because I would have been done with them. But Jesus had, can, can, can you appreciate his, his resolve and his self-control in that situation? He's already been mutilated on his back. He's, you know when that sting of sweat and blood, have you ever had just even the mildest injuries? Imagine what he's going through. They're blindfolding, they're punching, they're torturing, they're hitting him, and they're, now they're taunting him besides. And I, it just, to me, it would have just been Zapola, baby. But no, Jesus is different than me, praise God. And so then from there, uh, they further mock him because he claimed to be God. And now they make a crown of thorns, as many of you guys know, and, and, it's, it, and, and these two-inch thorns, and they place it and push it into his head, if you can possibly imagine, this external blood loss because of this crown of thorns. Blood's running down his face. There's internal bleeding, which is creating tremendous pressure. It's the migraine of all migraines, for those of you who've ever had a migraine, okay? And, and this, was, this, was, this represents not just the punishment of our body, but the punishment that we feel in our minds. Some of you, uh, if, I was, if I was to talk to you privately, you're experiencing a tremendous amount of pressure, mental pressure, mental exhaustion, sometimes uh, tremendous internal uh, just combustion mentally, so to speak. And, and this, was just, this was just so that every one of us who had mental pressure one day in our lives, there are points in our lives, he did all this so that you could have peace. That's why he did it. And so John 14, 27, Jesus said this, peace I leave with you. He was telling them, I do not give to you as the world gives. Don't let your hearts be troubled. Do not be afraid. And so that punishment he took upon himself brought us peace, it says in Isaiah. Everybody say peace. And so then next from there, from the thorns, he went down the Via Della Rosa, you know, Via Della Rosa. You guys know the song anyway. I, feel, I hear Sandy Patty in the background. And, uh, and it's basically called the, the Road of Suffering. And as he's going down this road of suffering, you know, they brought him to this kind of dump-like place, a foul-smelling, kind of rotting-from-bodies place where they were going to crucify him. And they would lay him down and then would place nails uh, in his hands. And back then, a hand wasn't like we understand it. A hand was from here to here for us. But back then, a hand was from the tip of your, tip of your finger to your elbow. That's why they had handshakes that would be kind of like this. And so they would put the, find the, the Romans would find the most vulnerable place to place the nails. And, and, and if you study crucifixions, they, they put the nail right, right in this particular area right here. If you can imagine just putting your finger there with a little bit of pressure, 
Imagine a, a nail going through that part of your body. And they did this so that you would, you would, you would hang and you wouldn't rip or there wouldn't be any tear. You would just hang there. And, and, and then, they, of course, they'd put you in a position where your legs would kind of be bent just a little bit, just like this. And so that you would, you would, you would, you would hang and your lungs, you'd have to kind of push up to breathe. So you'd constantly be wanting to relax, 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 begin to suffocate. In order to keep from suffocating, you'd have to push yourself back up again. But, of course, there were nails through his feet as well. It was a horrible, horrible experience. And so the nails that were there, they, they, they were significant. And, and, uh, and I believe that sometimes we miss the significance of them. It says in Isaiah, he was pierced for our transgressions, our sins. Your hands or your feet, it's what you do. What you do is sometimes what gets you in trouble behaviorally. He, he had his hands and his feet pierced for our sins, for our transgressions. Are you out there with me? And so he says in Hebrews, he says, for I will forgive their wickedness and I will remember their sins no more. He did all this so that our sins could be removed. The scripture says as far as the east is from the west so that you can feel free, so that you can have right standing, so you don't have to worry about kind of your tomorrows. And then about 3 p.m. in the afternoon, the Bible says he breathed his last and he made this statement, it is finished, it is finished. Now it means the payment, not his life. The payment, the payment has been made. And, 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 and they never snapped his legs or broke his legs like many of the uh, uh, crucifixions were, uh, breaking of legs. Uh, the Bible prophesied that, that not a bone in his body would be broken, but he was, actually, he was actually killed by the spear, ultimately killed by the spear. The spear, the spear excuse me, punctures his heart. And while he's hanging there on the cross, they kind of come right up along the side here under his rib cage, and they go into his heart. And what was astounding to them was just blood and water just exploded from his heart. And most people, it says in Isaiah, his heart was crushed for our iniquities. Most people understand that Jesus died uh, of a ruptured heart. Jesus died of a broken heart. His heart broke so your heart could be healed so your heart could be mended. I don't know about you, but some of the most painful physical things that you could possibly experience in this life, in this life are nothing compared to what it's like to have a broken heart or to have your heart broken. Everyone who's gone through physical pain of some sorts, they all can feel real bad sometimes, but we'd all agree that there's a greater, sometimes emotional pain. It can be hurt, it can be rejection, it can be betrayal, it can be loss. A sick heart hurts. Hope deferred, the Bible says, makes a heart sick. But Jesus allowed his heart to be crushed so you didn't have to feel that way, so that you could have joy in your life. He did this to bring every pain in turn and turn it to joy. Uh, we used to sing a song, I'm trading my sorrows. I'm trading my pain for the joy of the Lord. And you have to say, yes, Lord, yes, Lord, for that to happen. Can I have an amen out there? And so 2 Corinthians 5 says, if anyone's in Christ, he's a new creation. The old is gone. The new has come. And so the question is, if someone would come to earth and do all that for you and do all that for me, then what, if you understood it, if you grasped it, if it hits you, if you had a heavy revy, if you kind of had a download, what would your, or what should your response be? I'm going to give you three quick suggestions of what our response would be. I think our response should be, we ought to love Christ. If he loved us that much, we love, the Bible says, because he first loved us. 1 John chapter 4, verse 8. We ought to love Christ. If he's going to love that way, I think we ought to love him back. I think the church should be filled with people, not just on Palm Sunday, not just on Easter Sunday, but on every Sunday, every day of the week, people filled with uh, lovers of God. 
I had talked to one guy recently at the gym. He says, I, you know, I appreciate what you do, Pastor. You know, da, da, da. He was kind of saying some nice, nice things, but he basically says, I'm not, in, I'm not into all that organized religion. I said, good, neither am I. You, I, said, I said, I'm not into all that organized He said, what do you mean? I said, our church is an organized religion. Our church may be, it might be, it's like, it's like passion is what it is. You come in and just people are in love with God. That's the difference. I don't want any, or- you'll love our church. If you don't like organized religion, you'll love our church. Can I have an amen out there? You know what I mean? So the Bible says that greater love has no one than this, that he laid down his life for his friends. There's no greater love than anybody's ever experienced than what Jesus did for you, what Jesus did for me. We ought to love him back for that. I think we ought to love him back for that. Uh, number two, I think we ought to hate sin. We ought to hate sin. Let's not, let's not slap him in the face again by, again, going, like we talked about not too long ago, going back to Egypt, going back to sin. You know, one, one, one scripture says that we actually keep putting, nailing him on the cross again. We keep, we keep putting the nails through him again when we go back to sin. Get away from sin if you love him. Romans 6 says, For we know that our old self was crucified with him so that the body of sin might be done away with, that we should no longer li- live as slaves to sin. Romans 6.12 says, let not sin reign in your mortal body, that you should obey its lust thereof. We should run from sin. One of the reasons we keep sinning is because we're so close to it. We're, 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 we're playing with it. We're, we're, we're flirting with it. Get way back from the line. It's a lot easier to keep, stay away from sin. I don't avoid all sin, but I sin a lot less because I don't get near it anymore. I, I, people are having a hard time with this, apparently. Just stay back. Okay, stay back. Stay back. Okay, we ought to love Christ. We ought to hate sin. Number three, we ought to tell others. If we believe this, if we apprehend this, if we understand what Christ did for us, no greater love, then if we believe that, we should give it away. I think Christianity's breathing. Inhale, exhale. He's left us this assignment. He's gone. The word says that we are his ambassadors. We're his messengers. We're his walking billboards. We're called actually to give this away. Are you giving it away? Don't answer the question out loud. Are you giving it away? For God has reconciled the world to himself in Christ, not counting men's sins against them. And he has committed to us, 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 the ministry of reconciliation. Would you stand to your feet and let me pray for you? Can you handle me preaching at you today? You all right with that? (laughs) Just close your eyes and uh, bow your heads. I'm going to do something pastoral, a little different here. So just listen. Just listen to my voice. I just, Father, I just feel a, a, a special anointing to break yoke, the yokes. I don't know. It's a spirit of lethargy, just that we get familiar. We get desensitized, even to, the, even to the presence of God, even to the word of God, we get desensitized. I pray for a sensitivity to the word of God, that it can pierce our hearts and bring conviction. If those of you who, who need like kind of, you know, your heart to be vulnerable and tender again, just raise your hand right now. Just raise it up like almost two hands. Just say, God, tenderize me again. I need to be tender before the Lord. God, for all those people that are in that place, just good night. Don't. Don't don't give up on it. Father, in Jesus' name, all those people in that place, tenderize their hearts right now in Jesus' name. I pray that your word can pierce them and they can come under the conviction of the Holy Spirit again. Because, Lord, the conviction of the Holy Spirit can keep us from sin. You're here to help us. You're also here to remind us of what you did and make us so conscious and aware of what a loving, awesome, incredible God you are and what you did and what lengths you went to to save us, God. I pray that you pierce 
our hearts, God, that, that, that they be circumcised for you, God, in a way, that we'd be in right standing with you again, and that the distance between you and me, that numb and that dumb and that, that just kind of, that lethargy and that, that, that slump, God, break us out of that in Jesus' name and make us, make us have that, that, that tender, tender heart, that contrite, broken spirit, God. We know that when we're in that place, your word says in Psalm 51, you will not deny. You will not deny anybody who comes to you with a broken and contrite spirit. I thank you, Lord God. I pray for everyone who needs to know Christ, that they'll just take a moment and come down after service as soon as I dismiss and talk to somebody and pray with somebody. Make that decision to come to Christ and make him Lord of your life today. Not just Savior, but make him Lord. I pray, Lord, that you go with us as we go out. Lord, your anointing be with us in Jesus' name. And everybody said, amen. Can we give the Lord the best hand clap we possibly could, all right?